Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. Good evening. My name is Dr. Scott Cameron. I serve as the Section Head of Vascular Medicine. I'm a vascular cardiologist and I have the privilege to introducing to you a distinguished panel of physicians and surgeons that form a comprehensive treatment team for peripheral artery disease. So immediately to my left, I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Luke Laffin, uh, who's from the preventive cardiology section. Immediately to his left, I'd like to introduce Dr. Teresa Wu, who's from the vascular medicine section. Immediately to her left, I'd like to introduce Dr. Aravinda Nanjun Dapa, who's an interventional cardiologist, and he divides his time equally between cardiology and vascular medicine. And immediately to his left, I'd like to introduce Dr. John Quartramoni, who's one of our distinguished vascular surgeons. So if I could just um, open it up and um, discuss some things that general physicians and sometimes patients are not always aware, that when you're walking, you may have some narrowing in the arteries in the legs. Everyone's familiar with the concept of narrowing in arteries in the heart that can cause a heart attack, for example. But not everyone knows that in fact, if you've got narrowing in the arteries in the leg, not only can it be painful while you're walking, but that actually increases your heart attack risk and your stroke risk. And it turns out that recognizing those symptoms might suggest you have peripheral artery disease is the first step. And once that you've recognized it, um, you may want to think about, is this something that needs to be treated medically? Is this something that needs to be treated, for example, by placing a stent to open up a narrowed artery? Or is this something that's serious enough that actually requires a very open but very highly skilled surgical procedure here at the Cleveland Clinic. So firstly, I'd just like to call on Dr. Teresa Wu. If you could maybe tell us what your practice patterns been when you have patients referred to you for peripheral artery disease, what are their typical symptoms and what are the first tests that you would do? Um, yes, of course, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I think this is great to be amongst so many faces from different departments to talk about such an important topic. Um, and to echo you know, what you had just mentioned, um, I think screening is something that, um, that is under-discussed, but I think is so important because you know, globally PAD, or peripheral artery disease, affects about 12% of the population, but in high-risk groups, this can be as high as 20%. And, um, and as you mentioned, about, about half of these patients do suffer from coronary or cerebrovascular disease, which are huge causes of morbidity and mortality in these patients. So, you know, I think as providers, uh, as all providers, we should be proactive in screening these patients, and especially those who are high risk for peripheral artery disease. Um, so, uh, and the kinds of patients that we tend to see this in are um, patients who are over 65 and also those under 65 with risk factors, and that includes things like diabetes, um, atherosclerosis in another vascular bed, so for example with coronary disease, um, hypertension, CKD, and, um, and this is also supported by the most recent guidelines um, that supports screening in, the, in these patients. And, um, and so the way that we do that um, is um, we can order something called an ankle brachial index or an ABI. And uh, what that basically um, means is that the, well, we take the higher of the two blood pressures obtained in the uh, ankle on one limb divided by the higher of the two blood pressures obtained in the arms. And um, we use that as a, a type of a screening test. Um, if that is not done, then I, at the very least, I think comprehensive clinical screening should be done, and that's supported by the recent guidelines as well. So that involves doing a thorough history taking, asking about symptoms of claudication, 
um, doing a good pulse exam and checking blood pressures in both arms at the very least. But um, the kind of step beyond that that we traditionally use is the ankle brachial index. Wonderful. Well, let me ask you a question. Dr. Laffin, um, you are a distinguished investigator as well as a physician. And one of the things that I know that the preventive cardiology section does particularly well is looks at things, for example, optimizing blood pressure, optimizing lipids. But there's a special tool that you've got in your armamentarium that I don't think everyone's available or they know about. Tell us a little bit about supervised exercise training. Yeah, I think that's a great point, uh, Dr. Cameron. Um, supervised exercise training is covered by CMS and it's essentially cardiac rehabilitation, but for patients with peripheral arterial disease. Um, and we know that cardiac rehabilitation is under, under prescribed Supervised exercise therapy is vastly underprescribed in this population. Um, and it's, it's very similar. It's an exercise and educational program for 36 sessions. And so it's not just going down and walking on a treadmill. It's more than that, okay? Working with nurses, exercise physiologists um, to not only get people to the point where they're um, actually achieving claudication in their legs and hopefully improving it, but also working on risk factors, getting them hooked up with smoking cessation resources, making sure they have the dietary resources, speaking with our nutritionists, et cetera, and making sure their risk factors are controlled, like blood pressure, like cholesterol. Um, so covered, vastly underprescribed, um, and patients derive so much benefit from it. Fantastic. Um, I might skip over to Dr. Quattromoni. So we've shared many patients together and I know one of the things um, that you always emphasize, which we greatly appreciate, is we have such a fantastic working relationship between the different departments at the Cleveland Clinic. And vascular surgery is well aware of all the screening tests, of course, as well as medications to help patients with peripheral artery disease. Can you maybe tell us what your practice pattern has been for that patient who might have been medically optimized, but is still having severe pain when they walk, for example, but they've not gotten to the point where they have tissue breakdown, um, how would you have a conversation with a patient about things that you can offer? I think everybody's a little bit different. Uh, and in that situation, you, sorry, you said that they had been optimized already? So I think that, that that's the first discussion, is making sure that all their medications are optimized and that they're aware of things, uh, resources that we have to offer, smoking cessation counselors, um, plugging them into the system. And I do talk to them about structured exercise therapy as an option. Uh, and kind of one of the hurdles I found is that, you know, we certainly have that resource locally, but kind of getting them plugged in, maybe if they're uh, geographically, um, maybe a little bit further away, that, that seems to be uh, a common problem that, that, I, that I face. But I think it's kind of about working together to, from both the medicine side as well as getting them involved in that kind of program, I think is, is important. And, you know, sometimes a referral will come to us because a patient has a wound in the leg and it's sometimes challenging for us to tell, is this wound because they've got untreated diabetes, for example, or undertreated diabetes? Is it because that the blood vessels coming out of the legs, the veins are not working properly? Or is it because that the blood flow isn't what it should be going into the legs, the arteries? Dr. Nanjandapa, you see many patients with tissue loss in wounds and ulcers, for example, that are caused by peripheral artery disease. I wonder if you could maybe tell us um, some of the things that you've been able to do for patients to help those uh, wounds heal when medications otherwise can't do that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Cameron, for involving me with this. And I'm honored to be with the esteemed panel of guests here. 
These patients were, as you mentioned, we call the term as CLI, which is critical in ischemia, and the, even the fancier term is the, the CLTI, but so these patients basically are at high risk for losing the limb. Basically, as Dr. Wu mentioned, their ankle brachial index is typically less than 0.4. What it means is they have a multi-level disease. They may have a iotoiliac disease, SFA, popliteal disease, below knee artery disease. Typically, these are all total blockages and total occlusions. The first thing I do is uh, try to summarize all the things that we talked about uh, from what Dr. Kothramoni, Dr. La Luke Lefkin said, and also what uh, Dr. Wu is mentioning about maximizing medical therapy. The short mnemonic I form is ABCDE, A is for aspirin, B for beta blocker, if they have heart disease, C for cholesterol management, D for diabetes uh, management, E is education, which involves supervised exercise program, also for tobacco cessation and education about the disease itself because they have a high risk for heart disease and stroke. So once I touch base with them, we don't have much time, so we kind of have to move fast because the wound can get worse, rest pain can become a limb loss. So such patients, we do try to schedule for a, what is called an angiogram based on what kind of imaging we already have, whether they have an ABI or a CT scan. And at the imaging, we kind of had to pause and uh, have a multidisciplinary approach. What I mean by that is, can a vascular surgeon provide a good long bypass, especially if there's a good piece of vein with the recent clinical data showing in the basal trial that if you have a long piece of vein, the person does, patient does well, the long-term outcomes are good. But typically in diabetes patients and regional disease, they may not be able to find a long vein, they may not be good targets. Such patients, we do offer endovascular approach, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether I do it or my colleague, Dr. Quatramoni does, or the radiology people does. It's at the end of the day who can get the best option for the patient. And typically, you want to establish a straight inflow. That means just not treating iliac disease by me is not enough. You got to come from top to bottom and establish a palpable pulse at the end of the procedure. Sometimes it's a hybrid procedure I can offer. What I mean is, Sean Leiden may do a common femoral endarterectomy and then at the same time do a balloon angioplasty or I may work with him and establish the flow. Sometimes we stick the leg and the groin together and establish a flow. It's called the pedal axis. Rarely, if all this fails, uh, Dr. Leiden is still the principal investigator for a trial where we call deep vein revascularization. We puncture the artery to the vein and put stents so that patient forms a loop of blood flow to keep the foot alive. So you've got to go all extreme to get it done. Sometimes those endovascular procedure fails, but still we can do a bypass. Two short points I want to touch base is, I'm only a plumber, I can fix what I can, but you need a multidisciplinary approach. What I mean by that is, uh, doctors like you and Dr. Wu can help me to do what is the best antithrombotic therapy, antiplatelet therapy, endocrinologist to help in diabetes management, vascular surgery to help us with um, further any more things to be done, wound care for wound debridement, and sometimes the podiatrist plays a big role to help us in uh, seeing how much more blood supply we need or what we have done is enough. And of course, if things don't turn out to be well at some point, even some partial amputation so that wound doesn't spread and cause gangrene. So, and a regular follow-up is needed too. Well, that's a nice segue actually to, to go firstly back to Dr. Within Dr. Quattromoni. Um, you talked a little bit about an angiogram which is a test that you can use by accessing a blood vessel, sometimes in the wrist, sometimes in the groin, and it allows you to see um, where there are blockages in, in arteries. Of course, that's an invasive test. 
Um, Dr. Wu, I wonder if you could maybe tell us a little bit about the collaborative vascular lab that's run between vascular medicine and vascular surgery, where we can use uh, a non-invasive test to sometimes tell exactly what's going on. Tell us your expertise there. Yeah, of course. So, you know, we have a great vascular lab um, that operates between a collaboration between vascular medicine and vascular surgery, um, where we can do a lot of non-invasive kind of testing to um, not just screen for vascular disease, but also um, perform surveillance of, of, of vascular disease, whether or not it's before or after a procedure or, um, or a surgery is done. And so what that can look like is not just an, a an ABI, which um, we had talked about earlier, but also we do um, arterial duplex ultrasound to take a look at specifically the anatomy of the vessels. And um, it's a great tool that we also have for surveillance after, after any sort of procedure um, or surgery. Got it. And Dr. Kwashamoni, for patients that are watching, I wonder if you could tell us what expectations would be for recovery time if someone has required to undergo a surgical procedure and how you would utilize our well-acclaimed vascular lab at Cleveland Clinic for surveying those, those vessels and stents to make sure they're still open. Sure. So typically after an open revascularization, it's, I think it's reasonable if everything goes well uh, to be in the hospital for three to five days. Uh, sometimes patients uh, would benefit from physical therapy and they can go to a facility to get stronger for a little while. But once you have that initial experience of the operation, it really starts a lifelong relationship where surveillance is very important. And uh, uh, typically, patients will come into the office and it's very convenient. They'll have their, their duplex ultrasound following their bypass, their ankle brachial index at that time. Uh, and we kind of set up a regular uh, surveillance regimen in line with SVS guidelines to make sure that if there is a issue that's developing, that we can catch it uh, ahead of time and uh, do something about it. But uh, typically, that three to five day range is reasonable to expect in the hospital after that surgery. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash cardiac consult podcast.